You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and uh, I'm joined here today by the always effervescent Jeff. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Uh, Ken is not here. Uh, he actually took a quick trip to Tokyo to work on the train system there, uh, the bullet train. They needed uh, an expert beard to come in and uh, do some analytics. So uh, he'll be gone for a little while. Matt is also not in the studio. Uh, we tried to force him to have his own Jordan flu game. He has the summer flu, and uh, he did not want to do a Jordan flu game. So uh, we respected that, and we said, go get some rest and drink some fluids and electrolytes. We have uh, some great stand-ins for him today. Introducing first is going to be our guest host and uh, one of our universal champions, uh, someone that you may have heard on an episode all about uh, the derriere, and that would be Ryan Clefcorn Myers. How's it going? It is going rather well. How are you? Doing well. Just thank you uh, so much for stepping in last minute. Uh, Ryan actually wrote these questions uh, overnight, basically, just uh, super quick. So thank you very much for doing that. Yeah, I'm glad to do it. Anytime. Uh, and then uh, we're going to have a, a team of two here, um, two guys that uh, that we both like a lot. Uh, the first one we had pleasure to meet in Boston uh, at our little get-together, uh, one of our oldest uh, Patreon subscribers. Uh, and we thank him for that. And that's Chris Eve. How's it going, Chris? Good, guys. How about yourself? Doing well. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today and uh, for supporting the show. And then uh, we also have uh, a host that has been on the show before. And I don't know actually if you've played a game with us, but we'll have to find out when we ask him right now. But uh, that's Brent Bolmeyer. How's it going? It's going well. How are you, gentlemen? Doing well. Uh, so let's start with Brent. Uh, I think some people might know you from your show, but if you just want to um, you know, reiterate uh, what you host and uh, where people can check you out. Sure. I host the Sports Trivia Podcast. Actually, it's called the Sports Trivia Face-Off. Uh, it's a podcast that's been going for a couple of months now, and it, it's uh, gaining momentum. It's basically not unlike this podcast in which it's trivia game-based, but my questions are all about the wonderful world of sports. Wonderful. And do you do any Howard Cosell impressions ever? <laughs> I have not done any Howard Cosell impressions because the attempt is 
basically puerile. <laughs> well, I, I feel like, uh, you know, when I heard uh, the show's great, by the way, uh, but when I first heard it, uh, I had three criteria. One was that uh, there might be a face off reference, the uh, Nick Cage and John Travolta movie, which there wasn't. I was like, okay, that's fine. We'll go to number two. <laughs> uh, number two. Was was if there was going to be a Howard Cosell impression, uh, which there wasn't. I said I'll, I'll go to number three, which was is there great sports trivia questions and a great host, and there is. So that's why I stuck around. So excellent. Well, thank you very much. Of course. Uh, and Chris, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I live in North Wales, which is uh, about forty-five minutes outside of uh, Philadelphia, North Wales, Pennsylvania. Sorry. I'm doing trivia now, bar trivia, seriously with a group of guys for the last uh, about three years now. Um, and uh, love your guys' show. Love all the, you know, the, all the podcasts out there have trivia. Uh, I don't think that you can have enough of those. Uh, looking forward to this today. Yeah, we, we are too. It's uh, pretty crazy just how big uh, the world is. And, and uh, it, it reminds me, uh, if I can put it to some sort of film reference for me, um, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, I don't think anyone would have imagined that we'd have a plethora of comic book movies uh, that, you know, people just never would have made before. I know we had Batman in like 1989, but... Now the fact there's just so many um, and people who loved comics as kids getting all these movies and whatnot. Um, and same thing with trivia. I think there's just a, you know, a surplus of great trivia shows out there for everyone. Um, and Ryan, you're coming to us from Wichita, Kansas. Yes, as always. Um, I have nothing new to report since the last time I was on here. I am uh, I am recording at my, my place of work today, the Wichita Art Museum. Uh, so, yeah, other than that, everything's been fine since... The last time I was with you guys. Well, Jeff, uh, how are you feeling before we start the game? I'm I'm feeling all right. Feeling all right? You tired? Uh, hot? Sweaty? Anything? Oh, I'm always hot and sweaty. Okay. Oh. Well, that's all right. That's that's your baseline. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I guess uh, we got the coffee here. Uh, we got everything. So uh, why don't we just throw it to the I guess the rules guy before we get to, to Ryan in the game and uh, see what he has to say. The rules of the game are simple: twenty questions split into two rounds, worth ten points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. All right, uh, Jeff uh, informed us last time. I don't know if, if I don't think this was on the recording, but uh, we're we not going to beat that dead horse again. So uh, <laughs> yes, he did do it exactly the same because it's a recording. You guys told me he came into the studio every week. This is our triviality who shot Jr. moment. It's just a, a big twist. Um, <laughs> so uh, Ryan, uh, please uh, take it away. It's going to be uh, me and Jeff on Team Triviality, and then Brent and Chris. Any team name you guys like to go by? You know uh, how we always decided team names whenever we were doing like a board game night was I'll count down from three and you guys just say any word and we will combine those two words to make your team name. <laughs> so you have okay. three, two, one. Beef. Grass. You are beef grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beef grass. I, I like that. Grass beef just feels like something we used to do when we were kids. Like we go outside and fight each other on the lawn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, a, a, yeah, nice grass beef between uh, Biggie and Tupac. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's when I fight with my neighbor. I fight with my neighbor about how long his lawn is because it's just that quarter inch too long and I don't like it. It's a game of inches, as Al Pacino <laughs> says. All right, Ryan, whenever you're ready, man. All righty, folks. We are round one. Question one Your category is a question about fannies. 
What classic Southern side dish is served at the Whistle Stop Cafe in the title of a 1987 novel by author and frequent match game panelist Fanny Flagg? So, side dish, Southern side dish? Okra? Oh, yeah, okra's pretty good. Okra or collard greens or... Mm. uh, Oh, you know what? Is it fried green tomatoes? Oh, yeah, that's got to be it. Okay, we're good. Okay, we are locked in. The only thing that came to my mind was fried green tomatoes. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. All right, let's lock that in, then. All right, we also locked in with Fried Green Tomatoes. The title of that 1987 novel is Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. Fried Green Tomatoes is correct. Excellent start to the game, gentlemen. Let's move on to question two. Your category is a question about bottoms. Sharing its name with a 2015 National Book Award for Young People's Literature winning work by author Neil Shusterman, what is the name of the deepest known point in the Earth's seabed? No, I'm, I think we're good. Okay. All right. We're locked in. You guys can talk. The one thing that goes comes to my mind is the Marianas Trench, but I don't know if there is a point within that, like that they call this is the exact spot where I, it, I, it is I, the deepest. I think the deepest part of the trench is called the Challenger Deep, I believe, uh, was discovered by James Cameron. Okay, I'm fine with that. All right, so you gentlemen are locking in with Challenger Deep over to Neil and Jeff. Yeah, we, um, we, I uh, pretty quickly zoned in. Uh, I believe the deepest part of the Marianas Trench is the Challenger Deep, but I'm not 100% sure. I could be confusing it with the sub, uh, but we went Challenger Deep. The name of that book and that point are both Challenger Deep. And that Neil Schusterman also spells it N-E-A-L, which I have learned recently is the correct way to spell it. That's true. That is correct. For I mean, all Neils everywhere. Apolo- apologies to our N-E-I-L. Listeners. Yeah, the only one that gets a pass is Neil Armstrong. Uh, I'm going to throw Neil Peart into that a lot, too. Oh, yeah, Neil Peart. That's true. I- I'm a drummer as well, so I have to give it to him. So. I did not know that. You are a Renaissance man. I tried. Not as not as cool as Danny DeVito in the film Renaissance Man. Oh, my God. <laughs> you have references for days, and I love you for it. All right, question three. Your category is a question about backsides. The backside of a boat is called the stern, and it would take a stern attitude to be disciplined enough for the U.S. Navy or Coast Guard in which what rank, which is below vice admiral, is given two stars. Okay, so uh, we're not going to do much better than our guests. Uh, we had no idea. We're not too versed in the uh, the naval codes, I suppose. The so, naval ranks. Naval ranks. So, yeah, we're locked in. Chris, the one that came to mind, I know it's a rank. I don't know exactly where it fits in, but... The rank of rear admiral would certainly fit in unless uh, unless Ryan is game theorying us to death. Yeah, there's no reason to bring up stern unless uh, it involves something in the answer. So that sounds like a good uh, a good gut. Okay, so you want to lock in with rear admiral? Yes. All right, you are locked in over to Neil and Jeff. That's a great uh, great guess. And when when you said rear admiral, we said, oh yeah, that fits. Uh, that's on theme. Yeah, that's on theme. So uh, we we didn't really know. Uh, we didn't pull that. We just said captain. And the correct answer in our booty theme trivia is Rear Admiral. Good job. Well done, guys. Moving on, we're going to go to question four. Your category is a question about bums. Uh, And this is all a giant quote. As the hobo leaves the farm, Dick finds the symbol for a dishonest man carved into a fence post in front of their home, giving outside confirmation about what Dick suspects about his father. This sentence is part of the summary to The Hobo Code, the eighth episode 
of the first season of what critically acclaimed series that debuted in 2007? All right, we're going to lock in with an answer that is certainly incorrect. So we had a lot of trouble. Chris, I trust you implicitly. <laughs> I don't know why you do that. Um, so <laughs> I think uh, Dick is uh, his original name, but people know him as Don Draper. I believe this is Mad Men. All right, locking in Mad Men over to Neil and Jeff. Yeah, that would have helped. That uh, sounds right. Yeah, I never watched Mad Men, and I think I would have pulled this uh, if I did. Uh, so... Uh, we had a lot of trouble, and just the fact that there was a a hobo code made me think of the bro code, so we went with How I Met Your Mother. And the correct answer, Dick, is indeed Dick Whitman from Mad Men. Great poll. We're going to move on to question five. Your category is a question about badonkadonk. In one of history's greatest juxtapositions, the 2005 Trace Adkins single Honky Tonk Badonkadonk peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart. It failed to reach number one, though, because what Carrie Underwood song was in the middle of a six-week stretch at the top? Okay, there's only one song I can think of. Are you good with that? So I'm totally fine with the first answer. Oh, uh, oh, because of the juxtaposition? Right. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're locked in. All right, we're in. Chris, the only thing I know about Carrie Underwood is that she's married to Mike Fisher, and I couldn't stand him when he played for the Predators. <laughs> you are such a hockey fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, um... Music isn't my thing at all. Did she do a song called How Do I Live? I, I have absolutely nothing on this one. Yeah, I really, I don't either. I move we punt. All no, right, you guys have guessed the Carrie Underwood song, Punt. Performed by Ray, uh, Ray Guy. Ray Guy, yes, the Ray Guy Award. <laughs> uh, moving over to uh, Neil and Jeff, what do you guys have? So uh, Neil centered in on Jesus, Take the Wheel. And there is nothing like a song about booty right next to a song about Jesus. The correct answer is Jesus, take the wheel. Well done, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, at least it brought us a little bit closer to you. So after five, uh, looks like Team Beefgrass has 40 points and Team Triviality has 30 points. So tight game. Still laughing at Beefgrass. Moving on, uh, we're going to go to question six. Your category is forever, forever, ever, forever, ever. Eight years before Ian Fleming used a variation on the phrase for the title of a James Bond book, what company created the famous slogan, A Diamond is Forever? Okay. We are locked We're in. We're locked in. All right. They are locked in over to Chris and Brent. Well, the biggest diamond company is Zales, I believe. I was thinking, isn't De Beers a great big diamond broker? They were the ones who kind of got this tradition started that said you have to spend X amount and a diamond is what you have to do in order to get engaged. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you want to so go with the, I, the beers? I would lean towards the beers more than Zales. Okay. Let's lock that in then. Over to Neil and Jeff. Um, yeah, there's not really too many companies uh, out there when you talk about diamonds. Um it's a little bit of a, a cartel of sorts, uh, but we also uh, zeroed in on De Beers. Uh, first used in 1948, A Diamond is Forever was the slogan for De Beers. Question seven. Your category is men who just can't keep it in their pants. Brett Favre. <laughs> so men, then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just men, yeah. The opening flourish of what familiar piece of classical music is played in Giacomo Puccini's Madama Butterfly to characterize Pinkerton, the American naval lieutenant who betrays his lover Chosho-san? There's only a couple Pinkertons I know, and one of them is Weezer's album. 
Yes, it is, it's definitely not <laughs> Weezer. Yeah, Madame Butterfly is the one in Japan. Right. Okay, we have no idea. So I, I know the I know the piece. I know the uh, the opera operetta musical, but uh, I cannot pull it. So we're, we're locked in with the wrong answer. I got the square root of Jack squad over here. The the good news is is they they said they don't think they're right. So we don't. It's not like we're going to lose ground. Yeah. Likely, okay. Unless but, they're yeah. completely um, throwing us a deep. We're we're not really clever enough to employ that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say it out loud, but. I can't come up with anything, Brent. So I, I don't know. Uh, is punt is going to be is Beefgrass's best answer? Punt going to be every time we uh, <laughs> we don't have something. Yeah, I think so. Beefgrass. All right, uh, Ryan. We we can't come up with anything. All right, you guys have guessed uh, the Punt Sonata by Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> Over to Neil and Jeff. So a uh, quick shout out to our listener, Jason Heaton. Uh, he always talks about wanting some more classical music questions, which we're going to work on in the near future. But uh, this one's for you. Um, so all I heard in my head, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is way off, uh, like Samsonite. But basically, uh, I'm thinking of the song um, that the uh, do 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 like in the morning when all the cartoons they have the that you know whatever that is. I don't know. So we just wrote right morning moon by Edvard Grieg. That's probably it. Yeah. So we we wrote uh, right of spring. So we had no idea. Uh, well, as he is an American naval lieutenant, if you're an opera rookie, you might be really shocked to hear the opening flourish of the Star-Spangled Banner whenever he is on stage. Hmm. Oh. Would have never gone there. Nope. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Puccini was late 19th, early 20th century, too. So he was, I mean, definitely later than most people remember or suspect. And so that song, at least, is fairly well-known around the world. At least, at least during that time, as much as it would be today, maybe. But yes, the Star Spangled Banner is your correct answer. I would have guessed Bohemian Rhapsody before I guessed the Star Spangled Banner. So good question. Bismillah. All right, uh, let's do question eight, folks. Your category is, they see me rolling, they hating. Are they catching you white and nerdy? Yeah, I'm, I am that. But Atop which European landmark could you see the goddess Victoria riding a quadriga, that is Q-U-A-D-R-I-G-A, which is a chariot pulled by four horses. All right, the, so the, the chariot makes me think it's Roman. Yeah, so European. Uh, Victoria, does that seem like a... Is it like a statue on the Colosseum? Is it... What's that building with all of... That's like the one of the oldest domed structures on Earth. Oldest domed? Yeah, there's like a... There's like... They built this like dome out of out of like bricks and concrete like for like 20 like 2000 years ago it's still standing the pantheon something like that oh pantheon i think we're good yeah we're good my first guess actually my only guess is the arc de triomphe in france oh i like that answer it has a, a base it's like the eiffel tower comes to a point mm-hmm. big ben comes to a point look it's big ben parliament um yeah. All right, let's go with that then. Let's lock that in. All right, you guys have locked in with L'Arc de Triomphe over to Neil and Jeff. Yeah, I can kind of see that now. Um, we we thought maybe it was a, a painting or something and not a not maybe a statue. So we, uh, we said it was the uh, Pantheon. Uh, the correct answer, you could find Victoria riding a quadriga on top of Berlin's Brandenburg Gate. All right. Oh, yes, you can. Now that I remember what that looks like. I didn't know the name of it, so it would have never helped. But <laughs> Let's move to question nine. Your category is, don't worry, Brent, now's your time to shine. 
<laughs> Game one of the 1954 World Series and the 1981 NFC Championship game both bolster two of the most famous moments in American sports history. What nickname do these moments share? Yes, we're locked in. Yeah. Okay, Neil and Jeff can talk aloud. Um, okay, so... This is dangerous. Yeah, this is dangerous. So the first thing, I was trying to think of the nickname, and uh, the only thing uh, in football that I think of right right away when I think of nickname is the catch uh, of the 49ers with Joe Montana to uh, Clark, maybe. I can't remember his name, but uh, recently I saw there was a bunch of autograph memorabilia where he signs his name like the catch, you know, quote-unquote, with his number and his, his signature. Um, and I just figured... The catch in football makes sense in baseball if it was a great catch in the World Series. So we're going to lock in with the catch. You gentlemen have locked in with the catch. Over to Brent and Chris. Yeah, this is the catch. Exactly. Um, this is Willie Mays with his back turned to the plate, catching it. In the, uh, I believe it was the Indians. I forget the guy's name. It was Vic something. Vic Wirtz. There you Vic go. Wirtz. Vic Wirtz at the, hit the ball. At the polo grounds. Correct. So, uh, yeah, Willie Mays is running for days just to get out there. But uh, So we gonna go with the catch and the correct answer is the catch great work gentlemen i believe the reason you saw that memorabilia was he passed away very recently he did he did uh pass away very very recently that's what it is then yeah because i saw a bunch of people posting their own autographs that he had signed and uh and i just kept seeing the catch the catch and i it's a famous image obviously in slow motion you see all the time in replays and whatnot uh i was a little disappointed though that ryan did not uh, forego the Willie Mays reference and then go for the bat trick at the plate of Willie Mays Hayes in Major League. <laughs> Hits like Mays, runs like Hayes. Uh, okay, we're going to go to question 10. This is the last question uh, before the swing round. Uh, your category is, so where are the pictures of them crying into some Easy Mac? The most recent one shows Chris Hemsworth dragging his own luggage, Bradley Cooper reading a bunch, Molly Ringwald bowling, and Benicio Del Toro struggling with an umbrella. What celebrity gossip magazine has a dedicated section called Stars, They're Just Like Us, which is dedicated to celebrities doing everyday mundane activities? Uh, okay, we're, we're locked in. Do you know this? <laughs> Don't answer that. Uh, Chris and Brent can talk aloud. The one that jumped to my mind was People. Yeah, that's the first thing that jumped to my mind. I don't, I don't read these rags, but... Um... I think people. Well, I don't know how to read, so. Okay. <laughs> that you, makes your hosting even more incredible. You've come a long way. I guess, we'll, yeah, if we both first saw the people, let's lock in with people. All right. Okay, that's uh, fair. Beef, beef grass is locked in with people. Over to Team Triviality. So um, I, I see these quite often uh, ever since I was a little kid. Uh, my mom loves anything uh, entertainment, anything Hollywood, and. Uh, you know, I'd read through these magazines, do the crossword, uh, not necessarily focus on the gossip because I, I just know from my own standpoint, like how wrong these things can be sometimes. And so um, we just went with Us Weekly. Uh, well, if you want to see stars doing mundane things, you can find stars. They're just like us in Us Weekly. Ooh. I think my favorite parody of that is the BoJack Horseman one. And I can't quite remember how it goes, but it's like stars. They're people. They're doing things. I I'll have to look that one up. I can't remember. That one's great, though. But yeah, I would have never gotten the original source material without Neil. So, Yeah, and uh, no comment if there isn't Us Weekly in the other room, uh, which there is. So, uh, 
<laughs> What's our score heading into the swing round? Uh, so this has been so far the first half uh, a great game, Ryan. Thank you for the questions and uh, what great competitors. We're having a lot of fun here. It's uh, actually tied sixty to sixty going to the swing round. So that question uh, with the rag put us uh, to a tie. Your uh, swing round category is uh just give it to somebody new already italy and france have 14 and 12 wins respectively for the academy award for best foreign language film for five points apiece name 10 of the other 13 countries that have won at least twice again italy and france have 14 and 12 wins respectively that's way too easy you're not getting those points for the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film, wins again. So for five points each, name 10 of the other 13 countries that have won at least twice. Now, is it, did it, was it foreign language or just foreign movie? Uh, the category is always foreign language film. Okay. Uh, because, for example, um, and this is not a correct answer, but I think in 2003-ish, there was a movie from Canada that won because it was in French. Uh, okay, so they're locked in, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances— I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so so we have a, we have a large list here. Um, so it's here's up, It's up to you, Neil. You, you have to tell me how you feel about these. Okay. After that, there's basically nothing else. All right. So <laughs> my guess is here we're going to get five, at least five right. So let me just pick. Okay. Japan, I'm going to say for sure. So that's our number one. Sweden, I'm going to say for sure. Argentina, Mex- uh, Spain. So hold on, let me circle these. Spain, Argentina, Sweden, Japan. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Russia or Soviet Union. A lot of old films that probably won were Soviet Union. I don't know if there's Kiwi's going to clarify for that. Well, we'll go. We'll go. Russia with the asterisk that I think we know what it was before 1991. So, I I, I will say that uh, I if you 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 should pick between Soviet Union or Russia. I am picky about that. Same same with any former and new countries. Yeah, I I do dis, do a distinction between that. Their older movies are better, so we're gonna say Soviet Union on that one. Um, uh, Denmark. Uh, I kind of feel good about Denmark. Uh, what's is that in the? Um, where, where is that Scandinavia? Yeah, that's vaguely Scandinavian. Okay, and then the Depends Netherlands. Depends on your definition. They're right around there, right? 
Yeah. Okay, so I'm not too sure about this, but That's where all gonna... the crazy Dutch people live, Neil. Okay, we'll go. Oh, Dutch boy. All right. <laughs> uh, I love film. Um, Netherlands and Denmark are probably. I'm going to say both of those for the hell of it. One of them is right. Hungary and Bulgaria. Bulgaria has uh, Sofia, Bulgaria, where there's a giant studio there that they make all the cheap action movies at because they're they pay people pennies there. But uh, let's go with uh, Budapest. How do you say it correctly? Budapest. Oh, okay, I thought it was like Budapest or something. It could be. It's two cities. I don't know. All right, so Jeff and I discussed uh, these countries. It was a great team effort. Jeff listed as many countries as he could uh, with uh, varying... Uh, Neil stopped me after 160, so... Yeah, <laughs> with uh, varying populations. Uh, and I kind of just went with uh, films that I knew were from certain countries, um, hoping that maybe they had won more than once. So um, I wrote down uh, Japan, Poland, Sweden, Soviet Union, Brazil, uh, Hungary... Argentina, uh, Spain, Denmark, and the Netherlands is our 10. And over to Beef Grass. Okay, Brett and I discussed this. Uh, and our 10 are Poland, Hungary, Germany, Japan, China, South Korea, Russia, Israel, Greece, and Denmark. All righty. So, my darlings, uh, after Italy with 14 and France with 12, uh, each having four wins apiece are Japan and Spain. Having three apiece are Sweden, Denmark, the Soviet Union, and the Netherlands. And all with two apiece are Iran, which has won twice in the last decade, Austria, Switzerland, the now-defunct Czechoslovakia, Argentina, Germany, and Hungary. So by my count, I think that uh, Team Triviality got 8 right for 40, and Beefgrass got 4 right for 20. Man, that's I forgot about Iran and Switzerland, too. Yeah, Oscar Farhadi has won both uh, Iranian wins. He got uh, did it for a separation in 2011, and then there was that whole uh, travel ban that happened in 2016, uh, and he was not allowed to attend the ceremony, uh, and he won that year as well. I felt like there was a Middle Eastern country, but after like Egypt and Saudi Arabia, I wasn't really thinking about Iran. So yeah, and I, that was a uh, Israel was a good guess too. I was thinking about that as well. Um, Israel, I think, has the most nominations without ever having won. Wow. Yeah, it's been it's been accepted as a nominee ten times, and it's never been picked. The Susan Lucci of the countries. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Swing round. What are the scores? You said six. Uh, sorry, forty, and they got twenty. So it's going to be a uh, hundred triviality, eighty beef grass, still tight. Very tight. All right, uh, we are in round two, question eleven, number one of the second round your category is wait so is it black and blue or white and gold the video for madonna's hit song material girl sees her in a pink dress surrounded by sugar daddies and this is a direct takeoff reference to marilyn monroe in a similar situation situation in what film we're locked in neil's voguing in the corner the one that hits me the most that i'm thinking of is gentlemen prefer, prefer blondes that sounds reasonable Okay, so I don't think I have anything else. Let's just let's go with that one then. 
Alright, Beefgrass is locked in with Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Team Triviality? Yeah, um, when we polled um, Brent and Chris before the show started uh, about who they liked more between uh, me and Jeff, uh, they said uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, and they picked Jeff, so that's what we went with. Your hair's probably more <laughs> blonde than mine. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, the correct answer is Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Thank you, Chris. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that's true, but... And one reason I love that movie as much as I do is because the director, Howard Hawks, just proves he can direct any genre of film well. He's one of the best. Alrighty, let's go to question 12, number two of the second round. Your category is Don't Be Tricked by an Impasta! Uh, uh. Most pastas are still called by their original Italian names in the United States, but one exception is that of Capellini pasta, that is C-A-P. E-L-L-I-N-I. Capellini pasta. What is the common name of this type of pasta in English? I think I think we're in. Sounds good. Yeah, we're in. Over to Beefgrass. Chris, is that angel hair? I don't know. This uh... Capillata kind of, to me, sounds like the capillaries, which are the really smallest veins in your mm-hmm. body. And angel hair is the only one I can think of that has an English name. Okay. Right. Unless you have something better, I'd, I'd no. go, that's what I'd go with. I got nothing. All right, Beefgrass okay. is locking in with Angel Hair. Over to Team Triviality. Yeah, we, we kind of wish we had Angel Hair at this point, um, but Neil and I thought maybe uh, on Reflex it was Bowtie Pasta. The correct answer, Capellini, is Angel Hair. All right, good job, Brent. Excellent weird logic, Brent, but that was beautiful. When you need Angel. weird logic, I'm your guy. Ain't that the truth? I'm surprised you didn't have a sports reference somewhere in there. <laughs> You would be like, oh, when the Canadiens won their third Stanley Cup, they ate Capellini pasta out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Got a little too excited on that question. We should have uh, taken a moment. Okay, folks, let's do uh, question 13, number three of the round. Your category is, I own 51% of this company, damn it. What American business icon worth $16.6 billion was a special advisor to Donald Trump last year on regulatory reform and is best remembered as a corporate raider in the 1980s after he took over TWA in 1985 and systematically sold all its assets to repay the debt he used to purchase the company? Oh, man, this is a, this is a tough one for us. We, we uh I think we know who it is, but or like the face, and we can picture him. We just could not come up with a name. We we wrote down a name, but um, tough question. Being in St. Louis, where TWA was the hub, the man's name that we learned to not like very much was Carl Icahn. I- I'm awfully sure on that one. All right, let's go with that. I couldn't get the the eye out of my uh, out of my head, and we spent quite a while just going back and forth trying to figure it out. So um, the first I name billionaire I could think of was Ira Rennert. So we just settled on that, and we called it a day. Uh, so I totally did not plan this, but I did call him an American business icon. It is Carl Icahn. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, I didn't even... Uh... That one I thought was gettable, which is why we struggled with it. When we don't know, we just give up immediately, which yeah. is our best play. You had the eye, so, I mean, you were close. And I had a billionaire, so we had two of the things. All right, we are on question 14 and number four of the second round. Your category is round, round, get around, I get around. Yeah, get around, round. So it's another Joe DiMaggio question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what name is shared between two different kinds of transport? One, a distinctive kind of boat and the second, an aerial lift supported by cables from above. Chris, I think I have it. I think I'm with you. I think I got it too. Buoy, tugboat. Um, what's another type of boat? 
like a goofy boat. Duck. Oh, yeah. You've got cable cars. You've got elevators. You've got... Um, Aerial lift. I was trying to think of those things that like are in uh, other countries, like over snow, where they, they take you a really long distance, like up a mountain, like a couple like, people. Like cable cars? Yeah, yeah. but is there another name for one of those things? Tram? I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't go on those ever since Jaws bit through one in The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want. All right. Well, here, here you pick. You're you're smarter. That that has no bearing here. Um, <laughs> also, I'm not even sure if it's true, but yeah, we'll 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 lock in with the, we'll say glider. All right, you have locked in with glider over to beef grass. What do you got, Brent? Gondola. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty sure those cable cars are also called gondolas. And the correct answer is gondola. The actual car itself is called the gondola. You mentioned uh, Jaws and Spy Who Loved Me. That was one of the great lines in Bond films when, when Dr. Goodhead said, hold on, James. And he looks up and says, the thought had occurred to me. <laughs> is that Holly Goodhead? Is that her name? Dr. Holly Goodhead yes. from Moonraker. Mm-hmm. Of the most blatant Bond girl names, Dr. Goodhead is up there. Moonraker's not up there on my list of Bond movies. I must oh, say. it's pretty bad. It that was, was that was a reaction to Star Wars. That's all oh, that was. Absolutely, it yeah. came out in what 1979. It was clearly Star Wars. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, question 15, number five of the round. Your category is that feel when you accidentally stub your toe on the altar. Not to be confused with the scientist and philosopher of the same name, what Irish-British painter is perhaps best remembered today for his series of portraits of screaming popes made during the 1950s? Wow, screaming popes. So Jeff is writing down some philosopher-scientists. No bearing on this question. Doesn't ring a bell in any sort of fashion. The only great philosopher I ever studied was George Carlin. boy. I don't know. Jeff's talking about stuff here I, I i checked out about five minutes ago now nah, i'll let you pick you can throw a dart at it all right just pick one of the names you wrote down because nah. i didn't recognize any of them how do i live without you still going huh i want to know okay we're locked in all right over to beef grass what was the first thing that you were thinking of the first thing i thought of was thomas Paine. and now i'm still thinking more and believe it or not i've come down to two names which go together Hobbes and Calvin it beats the hell out of anything I've got I guess we'll go with Calvin then all right beef grass is locked in with Calvin over to team triviality we we didn't have too much bearing here I think it's within the grasp um but there's a couple names I left off my potential list um adding to the ones you had said um I had thought about uh, John Locke um I thought about David Hume I thought about Jeremy Bentham um mostly on the philosopher angle. Um, But on the strength of philosophers, I decided that we would go with my favorite English philosopher, and we went Russell. Uh, I highly encourage you all to look at his study after Velasquez's portrait of Pope Innocent X, because it's creepy as hell. Both that philosopher and that artist are named Francis Bacon. Mm. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, And to pique the interest of Neil, he was highly influenced by uh, that scene in Battleship Potemkin where the woman gets shot through her eyeglass. Ooh, I like that. So glad I can talk to people about things like that. So, um, uh, Team Beefgrass is playing a really great uh, first half of second round two. So the score, they actually took the lead. So it's 120 for Beefgrass to 110 for Triviality. Ooh. All right. Let's do question 16, number six of the second round. Your category is you're never going to believe it. We're going to put a play 
inside the play. What classic Rodgers and Hammerstein musical sees a bunch of cute little kids put on a, an adaptation of a play they call The Small House of Uncle Thomas? Oh, this makes me angry. I wish Colleen was here. Uh, I know this one, too. So I don't think it's Oklahoma. I played drums for that. Uh, it could be Carousel, South Pacific. You've, you've named all of the Rodgers and Hammerstein plays that I know offhand. I think Carousel just won a Tony. And maybe he, that's why he wrote the question. So let's could just be. go with that. That's fine. I, I could be way off. Uh, you said you guys are locked in? That is, that is correct. <laughs> you better take your shirt off, Chris Farley. All right. Um, Beefgrass, you guys can talk. Another movie question for you there, Brent. Yeah. Mm, so I don't uh, have a whole lot here. Okay. Uh, this is uh, Sound of Music, Best Picture, nineteen sixty-five. I'm I'm with you. They do. Uh, have you seen the movie? No. They do. Okay. I think they do like a puppet show in the park type thing. So it's going to probably be our, our best guest. Already, beef grass is locked in with the sound of music. Over to Team Triviality. Uh, so we're, we're pretty pissed, uh, on this one. I, I was naming all the Rodgers and Hammerstein, um, musicals, and there's one that I always forget, uh, to say, and, uh, I, I will not be able to save face, uh, about it. So, uh, we did not put The King and I, which I believe is the correct answer, but, uh, we ended up putting Carousel due to, uh, its recent exposure, um, as a, you know, Tony, Tony winner, Tony winner stuff. So we want Carousel, even though I'm pretty sure it's incorrect. The Small House of Uncle Thomas is an adaptation of Uncle Tom's Cabin put on by the kids from The King and I. Mm. So angry. (laughs) Tough (laughs) break. Also, can I just take a quick sec to say that Carousel is garbage because the entire musical is about how it's okay that your husband beats you. It's because his life is rough and he loves you. Hot take. I hate (laughs) Carousel so much. Liverpool fans, I'm cool with. You can sing your, your, your 60s pop cover of you'll never walk alone at all you want i'm cool with that just (laughs) (laughs) can i do one stupid thing here for two seconds yeah go ahead all right hold on hey colleen what musical is there a play within the musical called the small house of uncle thomas by roger and hammerstein you know yeah (laughs) okay Yeah, I knew she'd get it. Sorry, she's a theater uh, theater director at, uh, in high school, so she's a big musical person. All right, well, let's continue. Sorry. Question 17, number seven of the second uh, round. Your category is Gym Teacher Vocab 101. First coming into existence sometime in the 1930s, what 10-letter P word, as in potato, is defined as, quote, a feeble or effeminate man? Ten letters begins with P, as in pretty, pretty princess. Pusillanimous? gym teacher vocab so it's gotta be something a gym teacher think about a movie where like they would be shouting at it like a kid oh point dexter no point dexter p-o-i-n-d-e-x-t-e-r yeah could be i'm fine with that okay i think jeff gave me a clue it's probably wrong but uh, at least we got an answer here and it's 10 letters so we're in Alrighty, righty you are in Beefgrass. what you thinking chris did you have any ideas no i didn't I had the I had the five letter word that begins with a P, but I know that's not right. So yeah. I had I had a, like a twelve or thirteen letter word that fit, but also wasn't quite right. Yeah, just like what about pusillanimous or whatever you said? Pusillanimous. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great right word. Answer. So what do you think, Brent? The the one that I came up with was panty waste. Okay. Yeah. Um, it sounds like Ten a nineteen thirties term. Yeah. I've never heard it before, so uh, I I guess we go with that. All right, okay, yeah, beef it's... grass is locking in with panty waste. 
over to Team Triviality. We went more in the insulting nerds direction, and we said Poindexter. Uh, first coming into existence in the 30s, that 10-letter P word meaning a feeble or effeminate man is panty waste. Woohoo! Good job, Brent. Thank you. Wow, we are we are sucking this uh, second oh, round. Yeah. We're uh, wow. 0 for the last six. Brent, you're yeah. killing it right now. He's on a roll. Mm-hmm. Getting lucky. Alrighty. Uh, question 18, number 8 of the second round. Your category is all of these things are just like the others. What is the most notable title held between all the following people? Your people are Alan Scott, Guy Gardner, Hal Jordan, Jessica Cruz, C-R-U-Z, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, and Simon Baz, B-A-Z. We're locked in. Uh, we got this. I, well, uh, Brian, I think I got this one. Okay, go for it. I believe these are all Green Lanterns. Uh, incarnate, you know, Green Lantern always changes because the ring chooses somebody else. So I believe these are all Green Lanterns. That works for me. Okay. All right, Beefgrass is locked in with Green Lantern. Over to Team Triviality. Uh, the the ring also chose us uh, to have the same answer. So we also locked in with, with Lantern, Green Lantern. And all of those people have at various times been a Green Lantern. Well done, Chris. Which name was the one that clued you in? Uh, Hal Jordan. I yeah. Mean, wasn't that Ryan Reynolds' character? Yes, it was. Okay. So uh, question 19, number nine of round two. Your category is Quentin Tarantino would love this question. Formerly a registered trademark, what is the name for a closed, low-cut shoe with a strap over the instep? They were named after famous comic strip character and advertising uh, mascot Buster Brown's sweetheart. Mm, and Quentin Tarantino, I'm assuming, would love this because it's about feet. That is exactly right. It's either that or trunks. So, Okay, so we are definitely crashing here after uh, Green Lantern. So We should have um, been Team Hindenburg. Yeah, we should have been. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we're going to lock in with an incorrect answer so you guys can talk. All right, Team Triviality is locked in with an incorrect answer. Beefgrass, you can talk it out. I'm having trouble getting Daisy out of my head, and I know that's not right. That's funny, because I wrote down Daisy as well. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I am not mm-hmm. exactly a fashionista. No, nah, neither am I. Well, Team Beefgrass doesn't deal with that fashionista stuff. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are wearing Louboutins right now. Don't lie. <laughs> I don't even know what those are, but that's funny. <laughs> It's a fancy shoe that has a red lacquered sole. I was going to say, but but like weirdly, he painted the bottom of his shoe red. It was it was a weird situation. <laughs> no, that's blood. Don't give away our secrets. We're going to lock in with Bobby. All right. Beefgrass is locked in with Bobby. Over to Team Triviality. We were concentrating on this being a uh, male shoe at first. Uh, and after we had locked in, I think we came to the realization that uh, it was a female shoe, we think. Um, so we actually didn't have an answer, uh, originally, so we were just going to punt, but just for the sake of comedy, uh, after we had realized what the answer is, but we're not going to be getting points. We, we wrote Kirsten Dunst. (laughs) Oh, which is very appropriate because the name of that shoe is a Mary Jane. Mm. Yeah. I always hate when that happens after you, like, you put your answer in and you're like, oh, come on. So you guys have, that's the second time this round you guys have had a bad beat. All right. Uh, question 20, last question of the round before the final questions. Your category is eat your vegetables, kiddos. Starting in Super Mario Brothers 2, what vegetable could be plucked from the ground and thrown at enemies to defeat them? I, 
feel like I feel like I know this. Are those radishes or something? Yeah, right. You pull. It's a big. They're long. Is that a radish? Could be. I don't know. That's what you said. I. I Beets. I'm trying to. Yeah, a beet or a radish. I can see it, but I can't. I don't know for sure. I can see it too. Radishes tend to be small. What's so, a radish? You like radishes better? Radishes are real tiny. They're like, they're not very big. Okay. So I don't know if that's like a beet. It's definitely not like a carrot or something, right? No, it's I think definitely it's, a root vegetable. It's something that you that you pull out and it's. It's like a. It's like really wide tapers. Maybe that'd be a beet that I could think of. All right, uh, we are locked in uh, reluctantly after going back and forth on two two vegetables. All right, beef grass, what you thinking? Is it an onion? I don't think. Can it be a turnip? Oh, that could... I feel like it's thinner, and they pull it out of the ground. I thought it was like a turnip, like a radish turnip, but radishes are more red. I think it's a white right. vegetable, right? I'm fine with turnip. Okay, let's go. Alrighty. Beef grass is locked in with turnip over to Team Triviality. Turnip sounds right to me now that I think about it, but uh, I couldn't quite get the shape down with the vegetable and so we thought maybe it was a Dwight Schrute classic beets uh those two things are very similarly shaped in the shape of the vegetable in question you can pull it out of the ground and throw a turnip at your enemies turnip is correct thank you for talking me out of that sure Alrighty, so uh senor fisher what are the final scores heading into the final question all right, so after uh, regulation, uh, the game was tight until uh, Team Triviality decided to take a bathroom break the entire round. So uh, <laughs> right now, going <laughs> going into the final, uh, Team Beefgrass has 150, and Team Triviality has 120 to wager with. Okay, so um, uh, now is when you guys are going to get your final five categories. Are you gentlemen ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your oh, yeah. first category is by your that is by space y-o-u-r your second category is powers combined (laughs) your third category is i am your fourth category is captain and your fifth category is planet i love how you do these categories i love you too okay so uh your final questions category one was by your Just like the words by and your, what word, which is also a homophone, comes from a combination of Old English, Dutch, and German, and is the term for, quote, an adult male deer, especially a red deer over five years old. Category two was powers combined. Link and the pirate captain Tetra team up to defeat Ganon in which entry of the Legend of Zelda series that came out in 2003? Your third category is I Am. In 1966, a famous duo hit number three on the charts with the folksy single I Am A Rock. What was this duo's final number one hit together, which was the year-end most successful song of 1970 and also the winner for Record and Song of the Year at the 13th Grammy Awards? Category four is Captain. Peter Novak, N-O-W-A-K, captained what MLS team to an MLS Cup victory in their inaugural 1998 season, though their team name is probably historically insensitive to people who were alive in 1871. And Category 5 is Planet. 
What is the only planet in our solar system whose atmosphere is primarily made of nitrogen? So that's all five locked in for you guys, correct? Yes, it is, Ryan. Okay, so, um... Are we dumb? Yeah, we're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, There's your show title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, and that's in reference to one that we get right. So I hope we got right. Cause I'm we, positive. We debated about it I'm forever. I'm positive. Okay, All right, so you positive. guys are locked in as well then, it sounds like. We yeah, are. we're locked in as well. Hi, everyone. It's Jean Chatsky, host of the Her Money podcast. For seven years, my show has been changing the relationships women have with money because make no mistake, when it comes to money, women are different. We face challenges that men don't. Longer lifespans, caregiving, a gender pay gap that just won't quit. Oh, and the fact that the financial industry was built by men for men. We need information specifically for us presented without jargon in a judgment-free zone. And that's what the Her Money podcast is all about. Every week, we talk about earning more, spending smart, investing to build the life you want, and protecting yourself from disaster. Subscribe to Her Money with Gene Chatsky wherever you get your podcasts. Because when you own your money... You own your life. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Alrighty, then um, let's go through these questions one more time, gentlemen. Your first category was by your. Just like the words by and your, what word, also a homophone, comes from a combination of Old English Dutch, and German, and is the term for, quote, an adult male deer, especially a red deer over five years old. Uh, team Triviality, what'd you guys have? Uh, we weren't too sure. We initially wrote down buck, and uh, we didn't think that that was correct. I mean, it could be correct. Um, one thing that we kind of locked in was the word stag, just because I think in England, uh, bachelor parties are called stag parties. So we, we have a stag night, yeah. Stag night. And then Jeff was like, uh, it could be like a German word as well, like stag, like S-T-A-G-G. So uh, we went with stag. Already. And what did you go with, uh, beef grass? Uh, pretty much the exact same logic. And we ended up with stag. The correct answer for an adult male deer, especially a red deer over five years old, is a heart. H-A-R-T. Red. There we uh. go. Uh, Team Triviality bet 20 points and was incorrect. And Beefgrass bet 10 points and was incorrect. Mm. I don't like it already. Uh, So, moving on to category two, that was Powers Combined. Link and the pirate Captain Tetra team up to defeat Ganon in which entry of the Legend of Zelda series that came out in 2003? Okay, we weren't sure on the year on this one, but... We said the Wind Waker. And Team Triviality, what did you put? Um, yeah, I kind of missed some of these Zelda games uh, going through. Um, 
we discussed uh, Ocarina of Time, but yeah, Jeff said that, that was, was a launch game for 64, so I'm pretty sure that one came out like 97-ish. And um, I don't play Zelda, so I just the only other one I knew was Majora's Mask, and Jeff said that... that I'm pretty sure Majora's Mask is also a follow-up uh, on 64. Um, and, then I, and then I bought a Wii, so that was um, Twilight Princess, so I kind of missed the um, GameCube era. Um, I couldn't remember what it was called. Wind Waker sounds correct, although we went with uh, A Link to the Past. Uh, the correct answer is The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. Oh, good man, you. <laughs> Team Triviality bet 20 points on that and was incorrect. And Beefgrass bet 10 points and was correct. Moving on, Category 3, the uh, category was I Am. In 1966, a famous duo hit number three on the charts with the folksy single, I Am a Rock. What was this duo's final number one hit together, which was the year-end most successful song of 1970, as well as the winner of Record and Song of the Year at the 13th Grammy Awards? Team Triviality, what did you have? Uh, we weren't too sure. We, we heard duo. We heard folksy. Um, we just, you know, we, we just assumed it was... Uh... Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, and we just thought maybe they ended their career on uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water, so that was what we went with. Alrighty, and uh, over to Beefgrass, what did you guys put? Uh, we had the same. We put a Bridge Over Troubled Water. The correct answer is Bridge Over Troubled Water. That's good. They play that a lot in my little town. Uh, Team Triviality wagered 20 points and was correct. Beefgrass wagered 10 points and was correct. We are now on category four. Your category title was Captain. Peter Novak captained what MLS team to an MLS Cup victory in their inaugural 1998 season, though their team name is probably a little historically insensitive to people who were alive in 1871. It is now Beefgrass. Beefgrass, what would you say? Go ahead, Brent. We started running through all the MLS names we could think of and trying to figure out what could be insensitive. And first we kind of revolved around the Vancouver Whitecaps, but I don't think they've been around that long. And then I wondered if the 1871 was a reference to the great Chicago Fire. So we went with the team, the Chicago Fire. And Team Triviality? Uh, this is this is one where um, we struggled for a while, and, and it seemed to have been in vain. Um, the... The, the event itself may have been great, although I don't think the MLS team is. We said the Chicago Fire. It's the equivalent of calling yourself the San Antonio Alamos or the New York Twin Towers. It is the Chicago Fire. Team Triviality wagered 20 points and was correct. And Beefgrass wagered 10 points and was correct. Which brings us to Category 5, which was Planet. What is the only planet in our solar system whose atmosphere is primarily made of nitrogen? Team Triviality? Um, this is another one where um, Neil and I stared at each other with blank stares for a while. Um, and then it was obvious. Uh, the planet is Earth. And beef grass. Yeah, same thing. It Right away it came to us that I think it's 78-ish percent nitrogen here on Earth. And the correct answer is Earth. I'm not sure any of you guys detected what I was doing, but by your powers combined, I am Captain Planet. Your answers had Earth, Fire, Water, Wind, and Heart in them. Team Triviality wagered 20 points and was correct, and Beefgrass wagered 10 and was correct. What does that bring our final scores to this afternoon? 
if uh, Team Triviality would have gotten the, the first two questions right, we would have squeaked out a win there, but uh, we did not. So uh, we're in second place today with 160 points. And uh, today with 190 points. The cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Team Beefgrass. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good job, Brian. Well done. That was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So the hardest part of this game was trying to force earth, fire, water, wind, and heart into those five final freaking categories. I bet. I, I was stuck on water and I am, and I was doing, like, looking up, like, Kogaido Ergo Sum and, like, I am Sasha Fierce <laughs> by Beyonce and trying to find any connection to water that I could. And so I finally found a really loose one and went for it. So we'll go. Is that our new outro music? I like yeah. it. Round ball rock. So uh, a very special thank you to Ryan today for the wonderful questions that he wrote overnight uh, with some great themes there. Thank you for having me, and thank you for appreciating those questions. Glad to help out. Of course. Uh, and if you guys uh, were fans of the uh, No More Butts episode, which was what, Jeff? In episode 50, 59, I think. 58? 58 uh, or 59. We don't even know I, what happens on our show 59. anymore. 59 uh uh, ryan had us uh donate uh, some money to a uh, prostate prostate cancer research uh website so if you guys want to check that out uh, the link is in the show notes of that one so thank you ryan for um you know throwing some some money to a charitable cause of course anything we can do to help butts there you go uh and uh yeah thank you to brent bullmeyer uh if you'd like to give everyone your contact info for the show once again that'd be great Sure, it's the Sports Trivia Face-Off. If you just Google Sports Trivia Face-Off or search for it on iTunes or Pocket Cast or whatever podcast software you use, you will likely find it. Wonderful. And uh, thank you once again to Chris E. for joining us. Uh, anything uh, you'd like to plug, Chris, or you just, uh, just going to kind of go on your way today? No, I just uh, echo the thoughts of Ryan Clefcorn-Myers. Uh, good job today. And, you know, donate the money to somebody. That's all. And be nice. That, that's a great way to end the show. Um, just as a as a brief aside, um, I don't know if you know, aside from being great trivia players, as you've seen, uh, all of these three gentlemen happen to also be Patreon supporters. So if you would like to join their illustrious ranks, you can join them at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast, where you can enjoy um, bonus episodes and a lot of other great things that we have for you there. So if you uh, feel like we've earned it and would like to support our show, uh, please do so. Patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. Yeah, and uh, so Chris and Brent are both United States champions, and Ryan uh, just upgraded himself to a universal champion, so we really appreciate all of their support. And it's because of their support um, that we have just met our most recent goal, so we're going to be doing um, a minimum of one public-facing bonus episode a month, thanks in large part to their contributions. Uh, We already do a a bonus episode a month for our Patreon supporters, but now we're going to be doing at least one, try to get back to our original form um, where we do lay it on these more things like that. We got a little burned out. Uh, we got a little too eager in the beginning. So um, we've brought another editor on board. So that should help us do that. And it's all thanks to uh, support like uh, we're receiving from everyone here. Well, congratulations on, on getting to that milestone. That's really awesome. Yes, very much. Congratulations. Well-deserved and well-earned. Yes, thank you. Thank we're you. very happy about that. Oh, well, thank you, Brent. Um, yeah, one of, the, one of the things that uh, we've kind of said from the beginning is the show is all about the listeners and uh, it's the the listeners who have allowed us to uh, continue going strong and uh, uh, keeping the quality up in the show 
Uh, you know, we don't have any ads on our show, um, and we're just supported by by the listeners uh, who we try to support with great questions and great content. So thank you to everyone, and a special thank you to Isaiah, who is a Cruiserweight champion uh, on Patreon and is the one uh, editing our bonus episode. So thank you, Isaiah. Uh, great job. Continue doing your, your great work. Thank you, Isaiah. Um, but uh, yeah, so thank you very much uh, to you three uh, for joining us today. Uh, thank you to uh, Matt for staying home, getting medicated, and hopefully better to come back. Uh, we, we do need a, a software update uh, for his uh, Android operating system to make sure it works next time. And uh, Ken, uh, have fun in Japan uh, fixing those trains uh, with your beard hair. Uh, for Jeff, uh, my name is Neil, and that was Triviality. Just hang in there one second. Please, God, give me the answer! Spanish Armada. Uh, 1588. That is correct.